Imagine traveling along, feeling secure and confident, not knowing that the directions in your hand, if actually followed, would lead to your destruction. The truth is, on this trail called life, all of us are following someone's directions. None of us are really blazing our own trail. We all follow a path that has been laid out for us by someone claiming to know the way. The question is, whose directions are you following? What path are you on? You know, that's the question for today. What path are you on? You know, that's, that's a real key question as we continue um, our campaign. You know, are you going to walk the path of a fan of Jesus, knowing a lot about him, admiring him, you know, cheering him on in some ways? Or are you really going to walk the, the more challenging path of, of truly following Jesus? And my prayer has been from the very start that, that man, how great it would be for all of us in this church to say, you know, I understand, I see it so clearly now that there's, there's a difference between just being a fan of Jesus and being a real follower of Jesus. And that what would happen if we all chose and we said, you know what, we are going to choose to be followers and we're going to put him first in our lives, that we're going to go to him for everything. You know, it's so easy sometimes, even for us Christian-type people, to, to expect and to look at other people and, and look around and we become the center of our lives and that, that uh, you know, we're on the throne of our lives and we look to other people to somehow minister and cater and, and do things for us, you know? And it's so easy to, to just get disappointed when people let us down or, or people don't encourage us like how we think they should. And, and what would it be like if we said, no, you know what, we're going to look to Jesus, that, that Jesus is going to be enough. That one of the things that um, I've been really challenged with, the Holy Spirit's been really speaking to my heart, is when I get into a situation and I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling disappointment or I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling whatever, a question I ask myself, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? And so often, if I'm really honest, I go, in this situation, not really. That I need so-and-so, or I need to do this, or I need that. And I got to get to the point where Jesus is enough. And the path of a follower is so much harder. It's so much more challenging, but it's so much more rewarding. And that's where we are on. You know, and I, this is the fourth week, and, um, and, and if, you know, if you've missed a message, I want to encourage you, you can go to SoundCloud, or you can go to iTunes, just go to podcasts, go to uh, Kakaku Christian Fellowship, and you'll find the messages there. I really want to encourage you to do that. And so today, as we continue, we're going to look at two people on two very different paths that intersected in an encounter with Jesus. And in this encounter with Jesus, we see the motivation of their hearts. The motivations of their hearts are revealed to us. Were they seeking Jesus because they were a fan of his? Or were they coming to Jesus wanting to be a follower? And in this really short encounter, um, there's much that we can learn really about ourselves. 
You know, that, that the Holy Spirit can speak to us about ourselves. There's so much that we can be challenged with if we choose the path of following Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 7. And as you're turning it, let's pray and let's really ask God for some help. Father, we just want to come to you and we just say thank you. Thank you for your word. And Father, you know, just thank you for this opportunity we have to really understand and really maybe take steps of faith in really becoming a follower of Jesus. That it's so easy just to be a fan. But I pray today that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. That you would speak to our minds, but you would also speak to our hearts. And that you would speak truth that would set us free. That we would grow a little bit more in faith this morning. That we would grow a little bit more in love this morning with the, love, with the Lord Jesus this morning. That we would take steps to be a follower and not just a fan. In Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, we read this. One of the Pharisees, you know, these Pharisees were these religious leaders. They just really focused in on knowledge. They knew a lot about the Bible. Um, and so one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And what we have here is like two really different people, right? You have Simon religious leader, right, owns his own home, pretty wealthy guy. Um, why does he invite Jesus home for a meal? He doesn't say. He doesn't say, but his actions we're going to see speaks loudly. That Simon doesn't do any of the actions, the customary things that a host would do when they invited a guest, especially a really uh, a dignified uh, guest, a distinguished guest into their home for a meal. And so the question is, you know, what was he after? What was, what was Simon after? And then you have this other woman, this unnamed woman. And, and the Bible says all we know about her is she's an immoral woman, probably a prostitute. Why was she there? You know, why was she there in that home? Well, you know, in that culture, when a public figure like Jesus uh, was having meal anywhere, you know, people would kind of gather, right? They would just follow Jesus around. And a lot of times, most times, almost always, that when people would have meals inside the house, the doors would remain open and guys would kind of huddle around, huddle around the house so they could listen in on, on the conversation uh, that was going on. You know, that was part of that culture. And so here this woman was part of that. But, but, but she, she goes a step further. Not only is she out there listening, she just goes right in there. And she goes in, she goes in weeping, she falls at his feet, uh, seeing that his feet were not washed, uh, she, she washes them with her tears, dries them with her hair, and then she begins to kiss his feet. You know, she pulls out a jar of very expensive perfume, pours it out on his feet. And at great cost and at great risk, here's this woman, she does what the host should have done but she does it in this really extravagant way, this extravagant way. And the question is like, why? You know, what was her motivation? 
for being there and for doing the things that she has. And we see two paths. And we see one of them, we learn, and we're going to learn, that they, all they want is to, they want to know more about Jesus. They just wanted to know more about him. We'll know why in a minute. The other did whatever it took to really get to know Jesus. She didn't want to know about Jesus. She wanted to know him. Simon wanted to get more information about Jesus. So often the Pharisees would, would, would go to Jesus, would question Jesus, would talk to Jesus to, to, get, him to, you know, to get him to slip up, you know, to get him to, to make a mistake and find an error in his teaching and, ah, there he is, and, all the, and expose Jesus. You know, that was their motivation. But, but this woman was not after knowledge. She was after intimacy. She was after intimacy. And intimacy is defined as a really deep and close relationship, this close familiarity or association. And we often think of intimacy as something sexual between a man and a woman, husband and a wife. We think that's intimacy, and that is. But it's really more than that. That it's more than that. That, that, it, that it's like a mother who knows her baby. And you know, she knows her baby so well, she knows the cry of her baby. And to everyone else, including the husband, that cry, just all the cries sound alike. But mama knows, oh, she's hungry. Or, oh, he's tired. Oh, he needs to be changed. You know, um, no one else, no one else knows and understands her child's wants like the mama, you see? Because there's an intimacy there, and that's a picture of what intimacy is. It's, it's this really knowing, a deep knowing and understanding. And intimacy is the huge difference between a follower of Jesus, and a fan of Jesus. The path of a fan is getting more information and more knowledge. It's really, it's really getting to know about Jesus. You know, that's a fan. If you're a football fan, the last three days, you know, with the draft, you, you, you hear all this information and knowledge about these guys getting drafted. Mike Maglitschke, you know, tackle, Notre Dame, you know, six foot seven, you know, 305 pounds, you know, runs the 50, runs the 40 and 4.95 or whatever. And you get all this information, but you don't really know him. See? And that's what a fan does. They just want more information and knowledge. And it's getting to know about Jesus. And the path of a follower is a path that, of one who seeks intimacy with Jesus, seeking this deep, close relationship with him. And the question is, what path are you on? What path are you on? God wants to draw you closer to him. He wants you to walk a path of a follower that goes beyond knowledge and information and it goes toward intimacy and friendship. And he does this because he loves us so much more than you think. And the first truth, a real key truth, a mind-blowing truth is this. God knows you intimately. God knows you 
intimately. And it begins here. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And a word that is used a lot in the Bible for intimacy is this Hebrew word called yada. I love yada, 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 yeah? But it's yada. It's most often translated as the word know, you know, to know. A very simple definition of yada is to know and to be known completely. That's what yada means. And early on in Genesis chapter 4, Verse 1, most modern translations read, now the man had relations with, or he knew his wife Eve, and they conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And the Bible here uses the word in describing a yada, or it's an intimate moment between a husband and wife. But it's more than just sexual here. One scholar says that, you know, there were other words that the Bible could have used that would have referred, you know, specifically to that physical act. But the Bible chose another word. It was the word yada. And he says it's more, the fuller meaning of the word yada is like a mingling of souls. It's a mingling of souls. And another scholar says that it's really about a covenant. It's about this personal and intimate agreement between two people, you know, and that that's the essence of yada. That, that if you look at the usage of yada throughout the Old Testament, you'll find over and over and over again that that is how God knows you and how he wants to be used, um, wants to be known by us. That so many times when you see no and yada, it refers to how God loves us and his relationship with us. It's a relational term. It's a relational knowing. And God knows everything about you. And God desires so much to have a yada relationship with you. And, you know, that's crazy if you think about it, that the God of this universe, he knows us in an intimate way. And what's crazier than that is that, you know, Why would God do that? You know, well, God created us, and yeah, he did, but he created billions of people. But God knows all of us intimately. And, you know, I'm in a season right now where um, I'm just allowing that truth to sink in deeper and deeper in my heart. That, that, you know, I'm just, in my heart of hearts, I feel challenged, challenged. to, to, to see how I really see my God. You know, am I a follower in every aspect of my life? Am I a follower when it comes to having true intimacy uh, with God? You know, and I think about, um, I think of, you know, how day in, day out, you know, the connection that I have with my wife. You know, how often I think about her during the day, how often I call her just to, to say, how's it going? You know, text, how's it going? You know, and... Um, you know, and I look at that, and then I look at my connection with God, and I look, and it says, man, man, it falls so short, you know, that I, I can think, and I can take one minute to say, hey, Joe, how's it going today? You know, how was your meeting? How was that? I'm hungry. You know, Max and Sonny driving me crazy. Yeah, no. See, I can, you know, we, all day long. And I think, you know, how often do I 
text God that way. Well, just take time. Just connect with God. You know, I fall so short that, that I'm taking steps to grow in my intimacy with God because God wants more than a casual acquaintanceship with me. He wants more than a casual relationship with any of us. He wants yada, that he wants a deep friendship and relationship. He wants intimacy. In Psalm 139, 1-6, I just love how King David uses the word yada, you know, about five times as he expresses how God knows us. He says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know, you yada, everything about me. You know when I sit down and, or stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You yada, everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. Your place, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. How do you know? How do you know if you're on the path of a follower of Jesus? How do you know that you're walking on that path? It starts right here. It starts by you understanding and knowing that God knows you intimately. And then, as crazy as that is, what's even crazier is that God wants you to know him intimately. See, God wants you to know him intimately. He wants you to know him in a yada, in a deep and intimate way. That's his desire. That's why he sent Jesus to come and die for us, so that we will be reconciled and we could have a relationship with him. You know, this was so important. Having a relationship with you and me was so important. That was enough to send for him to say, you know, I gotta send my son to be the sacrifice so that I can have this relationship with him. You know, in Jeremiah 20, on Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, this is what the Lord says. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom or the, or the powerful boast in their power or the, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly yada me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, has spoken. God is saying that the most important thing, the most precious thing is not having wisdom or power or riches or anything else. It's about knowing him. That is most precious. The Apostle Paul, who walked the path of a follower, listen to what he says in his letter to the Philippians in the Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. This is from the message. So it's written in modern day uh, language. I really like this. He says, the credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, throwing it out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all things that I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to what? The high privilege of what? Knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog doo-doo. I like that. I dumped it all out into the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Intimacy. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules 
when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. You see, that's passion. That's the passion that goes far beyond just knowing him. You know, but, but the truth is, you know, that kind of intimacy, that kind of knowing can be kind of scary because we got to be vulnerable. And, and we don't like to be vulnerable, you know, that, that, that we kind of understand that, that, that vulnerability and pain kind of go hand in hand, that many of us, you know, we've experienced betrayal or some crushing blow from someone, you know, that we opened our hearts and someone broke it, and, 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 and we know that if we make ourselves vulnerable to God, that he's going to find some things that we're going to be ashamed about because we're not perfect, that we have sin in our lives, right? Man, I open my heart to God. God's going to look at it and he's going to be ashamed. He's going to find something. But think of the woman in Luke 7. She knew she had sin in her life that made her unworthy. But that didn't stop her. That didn't stop her from putting herself out there before Jesus because what she felt she could gain from intimacy with Jesus far outweighed the risk of being vulnerable. And a fan is satisfied staying at a safe distance, satisfied with just knowing about Jesus. But a follower, a follower knows God wants so much more, that he wants to know and be known completely. And through intimacy, we realize that through all the pain and suffering, comfort comes because God is there. You see, the Bible says that God works all things together for our good. That's what he's talking about. That if you are following Jesus, God is going to work all things together. Does that mean that we'll never go through hard times, sad times, tough times? No. We're going to go through all things. Sometimes us Christians think that Oh, you know, as Christians, I follow God. I shouldn't have any hard times. No, we're going to have as hard a time as anyone else. But the difference is that we're not alone, that God's going to be there with us, that he's going to take all things and he's going to make them good, even the tough things, because we go through tough times. But we can have that hope. We can have that hope that God's going to work this out. God is always there. You see, fans, fans choose knowledge. Followers embrace intimacy. It is so easy. It is too easy to be a fan and take the path of knowledge. Like Simon and the Pharisees. Just learning about Jesus. I want to know more about that guy, you know. For some of us, it's like, yeah, I want to know about Jesus. I want to, it's kind of good, you know. I like some of those principles. I'll kind of, I think I'll even apply some of those in my life. I like Ephesians. I like where it says, you know, uh, wives, submit to your husband. I think I'll keep that one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved. Oh, no, I don't think that one's so good, Right? You know, and, and we pick and we choose, and, and that's what makes being a fan so easy. We're still in control because we're following us. 
And we're just going to be a fan of Jesus. But God says that's not enough. That, that what we see is that with Simon, what we see is that he missed something. And we see the motivations of his heart. That, that he sees what is happening with this woman and what she's doing with Jesus. And we read in Luke 7, verse 39, if this man really was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And he's writing it down like, yep, I knew that Jesus, bogus, look at that. If he was a prophet, he'd know. But Jesus, knowing Simon's thoughts, tells him and everyone else a parable. Verse 41, a man loaned money to people, he says, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? To which Simon replies in verse 43, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says, right on popcorn. And that's the difference between a fan and a follower. He says this, that's right. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your house, you didn't offer me water or wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from, that, from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anointed, anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Simon wasn't there to have any kind of relationship at all. See? He defined his relationship by not washing his feet, not carrying the kiss, not willing to anoint him. But the woman took a different path. That, that she opened herself up. She made herself vulnerable before Jesus. Totally willing to just open up and let Jesus know about her, her sins and everything. And I think of Paul's words in Philippians 3, that all the things I once thought were important are gone from my life, from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master first, firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash. So what? So I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. To that woman, all that mattered, all that mattered was knowing Jesus, being with Jesus, seeking after Yada with Jesus, not just knowledge about him. And that's where forgiveness and grace and mercy and blessings are experienced. That's what she experienced because she chose the path of a follower. I want to call the worship team up. You know, what about you? You know, what path are you on? 
you know, will, will you let Jesus know you? Will you embrace the close and intimate relationship that he wants to have with you? Because with that intimate relationship comes forgiveness and comes yada, something only followers truly experience. That the path of a follower is a path of intimacy. It's the path of yada. Fully and deeply knowing Jesus and being known by him. That's the path of a follower. No matter how that may look to others, no matter the sacrifice or the cost, no matter the inconvenience, nothing matters more than that. Are you a fan? Are you a follower? Isn't it time to, to make a decision that knowing about Jesus, maybe that's not good enough? Isn't it time to, to, to make a decision, really make a decision to know Jesus, to really know Him, to get to know Him, be fully known by Him? You know, get to know Him. Start today. Get a journal. Get a journal if you don't have one. Begin reading the Bible. You know, start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the Gospels, the story about Jesus. Start there and get to know Him. You know, take time to pray. If you have a journal, do morning, lunch, and evening, no matter how hard it is, and say, God, I'm going to put you first and foremost. Nothing else matters. And put Him first. And take concrete steps on the path of intimacy and that of a follower of Jesus. And watch, and just watch and see what he does in and through your life. Watch and see. You know, some of you here know who Jesus is. You know, you might know quite a lot about Jesus. You know, years ago, uh, my father-in-law uh, received some bad news that, that he had cancer. And it was, you know, pretty, pretty advanced. And so he decided not to do any kind of treatment. And, and at a gathering um, that we're, as a family, we were all there, and he shared the news with us. And my mom, you know, went up to, to him and, uh, and asked him, and he said, you know, Donald, his name was Donald. He said, Donald, do you know Jesus? Right? He said, do you know Jesus? And to which my father-in-law said, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. You know, I've, I've read the Bible. I, I've learned things. I know who Jesus is. I know all about him. And, and led by the Holy Spirit, that, that my mom asked a really key question. She said, you know, but, but does Jesus know you? But does Jesus know you? And, and my father-in-law didn't have an answer. He didn't really have an answer. Because he was walking the path of a fan. And then my mother shared with him a little more, and they prayed. And that night, my father-in-law took his steps to become a follower of Jesus. And the question is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Or more importantly, does Jesus know you? Because that's what intimacy is about. It's, it's, it's knowing and being fully known. And, and I just want to encourage you that if you said yes, yeah, I know Jesus. 
But if you said, I'm not sure to that second question, but does Jesus know you? Isn't it, isn't it worth making a course adjustment? Maybe you're here today just for that reason. Maybe you've been walking a while as a fan. Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, I come to church. I read the Bible. But maybe, maybe today the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, but does Jesus know you? And if you're not sure, be sure today. Be sure today. Because God knows you intimately. And he loves you. Just like he loved that woman in Luke 7. He knew all about her. But that didn't stop him from allowing her to come to be with him. He didn't say, oh, I know about you. you no, you, got st- you know what? Get cleaned up. You know, get cleaned up. Confess all your sins and then come back to me. And then we'll talk. Oh. Oh. God knows you intimately. And he wants us to know him intimately as well. See? That's what being a follower of Jesus is all about. Now, why don't you stand with me? And, and maybe if you're not sure about if Jesus knows you, let's be sure today. And let's pray. Let's pray along with me. All right? And prayer is nothing special about it. There's no special prayer like the prayer. It's just sharing with God our heart. And so, you know, I'm going to pray. And you just pray along and you want to change the word, change the words. But just mean it from your heart. That's what God is after, right? So Heavenly Father, we come to you. And we say thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you know us intimately. You know all about us, and yet you still love us. That you know us, you know everything about us. You know our sin, you know our bad attitudes, you know everything. And you still send Jesus to come and die for us. And so today we say, we accept that gift. That we say, Jesus, I want to thank you for for coming to die for my sins. That that you paid the penalty for all the messes that I made in my life. You died on that cross for me. That I might be reconciled and reconnected to you. That was the only way. And so I accept you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. And I open my heart to you. And just like that woman, I just come to you. Come to you just as I am. Just as I am. And I open my heart. Thank you for all that you've done for me. And today I choose to follow you. Help me. Help me to take steps because I can't do it myself. Help me. 
to take steps. And we thank you that you will. And we thank you that you are there. And that we thank you that you're going to be with us, urging us, giving us faith to take every step we need. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.